Lee Sales. Annabelle, what's your name again? <laughs> My thing with this episode, Crab Summer of Culture, is that I feel like there wasn't all that much of it. I mean, I kind of have gone through my last couple of months and thought, what have I actually spent my time doing? (laughs) And then I kind of grubbed around a bit and thought, actually, no, I did actually read and watch a bit of stuff. But like the most atypical thing that I want to start with is that I read a celebrity memoir. That is very unlike you. That's the kind of thing you'd expect me to bring to the table after summer. Right? Because, yeah, you've got a shameful habit. With celebrity memoirs. Um, and the backstory of this is that I was at my friend Fiona's house, actually, more specifically, I was at her mum Bronwyn's house, who is a great reader and writer. And lying around on the counter was Matthew Perry's memoir, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, it's called. So now this is not something that I would buy for myself and I thought, oh, okay. And then I kind of like cracked it open. Keep in mind, neither Fiona nor Bronwyn has read this yet and now I've got it. I took it from their house. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Because I was about to ask her, I take it home? <laughs> no, 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 I've got to take it back to Fiona because she's not read it and I've read the whole thing. So I was just sitting there and I thought, you know, I started reading and then I just kept reading it and it's quite an extraordinary book. So... I didn't, I mean, like, I've never been a sort of full crazed Friends fan. Like, I've definitely watched heaps of episodes. Here's, um, here's what I'll tell you that I know about Matthew Perry, right? right and you can okay. tell me if this book's going to, okay. like, okay, so Matthew Perry was on Friends. Yes. And he's had some kind of drug and alcohol thing and he's been in yes. and out of rehab. Yes. But he still seems to be buddies with the cast of Friends. Yes. That's the sum total of my knowledge okay. of Matthew Perry. That is all correct. That is all correct. And I didn't even know that he had drug issues or had sort of been in and out of rehab or anything like that because I'm not really a fan, you know, super fan of Friends. So what he's done, and there's an intro from Lisa Kudrow, who was Phoebe on Friends. Right. And she's obviously the closest to him. And she writes this quite thoughtful intro where she says, look, over the years, you know, this is a very famous group of people and there's always bullshit being written and said. I'm always being asked... How's Matthew? And she said, I never feel comfortable to ask, uh, to answer because, you know, his situation is his story, blah, 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 blah. But here, anyway, here's the answer to that question. Oh. And it is, a compl- it's a nuts story. I mean, oh. I, you know, even if you knew that he was sort of having various issues, you, you wouldn't be ready for the extent of his addiction and mm. misery. Like, oh, no. And was this all while Friends was going on? Yeah. Well? Oh, yeah. wow. So there's parts where he's in rehab and they have to, like, taxi him out to, like, you know, pick him up from the facility to go and shoot Friends. Oh, and he wow. talks about how his, um, if you watch his weight yeah. over the series, when he's heavier, it's when he's well and when he's really thin it's when he's abusing poor thing yeah and it's an absolutely leave nothing in the cupboard kind of memoir can you imagine being like on a show that famous and successful at the same time and then having to like you can't really because you're going to let down five other people who are making a fortune and having a moment and the whole planet who's the the fans of it oh my god and a lot of what he talks about in the ups and downs is about that and and his incomprehension that he's you know in the number one tv show in the world and then he makes a very successful movie and yet he's so miserable that he wants to die the whole time i mean it's very um what's he what's he miserable about like what's what's the 
Well, he can't. He feels like he can't be in a loving relationship properly. He's addicted to sexual experiences. With he wants to sleep with all the women. He wants all the alcohol he's drinking, like a bottle of vodka a night, just to right. sort of stay. Oh God. Like, and then he's on all sorts of bizarre drugs, you know, that he's kind of – he never has heroin. He says, I'll never, ever – I feel like that's, you know, too far. But he's on, you know, sort of – it's one point where it's, I can't remember what pill it is. He's taking some prescription painkiller or something. He's, and he has to have 55 a day just in order to not feel like death because oh, the withdrawals are so terrible. God. And he talks about going through withdrawal like in – epic detail when he does from time to time and I mean he talks about this point where he's in Friends he's the most recognisable person in the world well not the most but you know one of and he's obsessed with real estate like so he keeps buying houses they have to have a beautiful view but he kind of like cycles through them and so he's constantly going to like really high-end real estate properties to inspect and while he's there he goes through the bathroom cabinets to steal like drugs oh god oh of, man wow it's, right it's just bizarre it's the Jeez, most extraordinary piece of work alive. well i mean yeah and, it, and he actually at the beginning of the book he talks about an episode where he very nearly dies so he is in a rehab facility with his friend looking after him who's sort of like his friend and pa and he starts feeling terrible and it turns out his basically his um intestine has exploded like and he's extremely close to death. And they won't give him any painkillers because, anyway, it's all just, it's just, it's bizarre. Oh it's Has he managed incredible. to have any long-term relationships? No. Right. And so he talks towards the end of the book about the fact that, you know, essentially he's clean, but he's just in a house living by himself, incredibly lonely. He wants to have a relationship, but feels like he can't like oh it's just wow God, that sounds really sad it is but it's also oh I mean it's yeah sounds I guess, like it certainly held your interest yeah it did I mean I really went through it so would you fast. recommend it yeah I just right. I mean look I mean I'm sort of particularly if I'm feeling kind of like if I'm having trouble in my life I'm sad or about something or whatever I don't ever kind of I sort of turn towards difficult books rather than away. Right. I don't know why that is. So like, you know, in the last year and I've been sort of really up and down and sad a lot. Like I quite often will read books that are about people kind of working through hard things. Yeah, it probably makes you feel like Partly, you're not alone, like right? that it's and a also, shared human and experience. also, you know, there's a sense of like, wow, there are people in the world who have, you know, like who are dealing with much more terrible things and, and kind of finding a way through it. And that's kind of the story of this book is that – and it's hard to sort of say, well, look, you know, this is a life of suffering because obviously he's massively successful and famous mm. and talks in the beginning of the book about his hunger for fame and how it was absolutely all he wanted. And there was this friend of his who had auditioned for Friends and was offered that role of Chandler Bing mm. and then eventually decided to do another project instead – so he did it oh, wow. and he talked about how he didn't really talk to that guy for 10 years because oh. of, the, of the difference in the way their lives turned oh, out because of that decision it? that that guy oh. made, right? So, I mean, all of that is interesting to think about too, about, you know, sort of paths not taken in life and so on. But, I, you know, I, I did feel like, I mean, he writes really evocatively about what it's like to be trapped in this bizarre situation where you should be happy, you should be happy yeah. and you're just unable to be. And yeah. I think that that 
you know, there is a, there's an element of tragedy to that that isn't allied with sort of physical privation or poverty or whatever. It's just like this bizarre anhedonia, like this yeah, impossibility. It's very interesting. Yeah. It, you know, one of the things that I've always thought about the six people that were the cast of Friends is that they must all actually, I think, be quite nice human beings because the capacity for like because some of them have been more successful than others yeah. and some, like say Jennifer Aniston for example sure, is yeah. head and shoulders more successful than everyone else on that show Matthew Perry clearly has had the most problems and, and the biggest struggles and yet they have all managed to remain kind of friends and they have all kind of you know contrary to what we we're talking about before about Prince Harry and William they have all respected each other's mm. confidences like mm. none of that detail that you've said about Matthew Perry yeah. has ever come out it but it was very it wasn't leaked it, it wasn't was familiar to all of them because they saw him that's like, right turning up messed and it, up and it would have been easy for someone to be briefing and going yeah. oh this is really giving us the shits because right? we had to wait an hour for Matthew to get here but they've always managed and you know Jennifer Aniston's private life around Brad Pitt and stuff like that like they seem to have really had each other's back yeah. in fact I remember reading years ago that they would do the salary negotiations together well, so everyone was paid about. the same says that that was actually David Schwimmer's idea quite early in the piece he came in and said listen we should all stick together and we we negotiate as a block which yeah. actually turned and I mean at various points in this memoir Matthew Perry cites that as an incredible gift that he gave to the rest of them oh absolutely to propose and then stick by that which they did because yeah. they were because can you imagine the tension that could have been created by yeah. Jennifer Aniston going right. well I'm the biggest star on this program yep. and I'm going to walk and you should yep. you know I deserve double you know yeah. Matt LeBlanc because you can't survive without me on the show kind yeah. of thing like there would and then the jealousy and the issues that would have been creating right. you know like it, it really was a very smart thing and very yeah. and kind of magnanimous of the biggest stars and, and sensible because also then of course it protects the longevity right. of the product and too. also I mean, it contributes to that person's sort of brand as well, I suppose. Like if, you, Definitely. if you've got a cohesive group of people that have worked together well, then, you know, nobody's acquiring a reputation for being a troublemaker or whatever. Yeah. And obviously it protected Matthew Perry who, yeah. you know, at no point I think, I mean, you know, there, were, there was stuff, you know, about him I discovered being in rehab and whatever, but I don't think he's ever really been portrayed as this total basket case, you know, nightmare to work with sort of thing. Anyway, I, I just was surprised by how much, wow, like okay. how interesting I found it. And I think, you know how I always think that a memoir is only a great memoir if you really give till it bleeds. I mean, yeah. like he's, you know, there's just, there's stuff in there that you just think that is incredibly frank, you know. Mm. Um, but Anyway, I just hope he gets a girlfriend. <laughs> just like, yeah. I'm just, just like, oh, my God, somebody just go and be nice or to that, that he's, man. Or that he's just at ease with not having one and that he's able yeah. to just kind of have just his... seems massively you know. lonely. Anyway, God, and he's still pining after some girl who dumped him when he was 20. Because he says, oh. I just, I dump girls because I know that they'll dump me and it's easier if I just do it because <sighs> my fear of re- rejection is so intense. Oh, God. Anyway. Oh but, like, talking about, you know, just on the frame of reading sort of hard things or, you know, things about people with difficult lives. I mentioned this to you at the end of the Canberra show just quickly, but I want to mention again because I've been thinking about it a lot and I've also given it to a couple of people who've also really loved it, yeah. is Amy Thunig's memoir, Tell oh, Me yeah. Again. And, God, I found that just it, – it's a story of a childhood and young adulthood and, you know, the process of Amy growing up with her family and then without her family for a bit and then kind of – going to university and becoming the, you know, respected academic she is today and writer. But there's a depiction of just such, you know, in some cases 
um, at some junctures, unforgivable family behaviour, you know, like when her parents sort of desert her and and yet there's this thread of reconciliation through it that is so powerful, like this much more powerful than the hard stuff about, you know, where her parents went wrong and when, you know, she went wrong and all of that. Like there's this sort of glow throughout the whole book of acceptance and love and partly it's a little bit about, like she writes about, you know, this sort of like First Nations idea about time and the way time works that is like a kind of a circular or like very long kind of you're playing the long game as a human being. She applies it so well to the way that she thinks about her life and who she is at various junctures of it and the fact that, you know, she today is like an amalgam of all of the different people that she's been over the course of her life. And that kind of builds this structure for forgiveness and acceptance to just sort of be a part of who you are. Anyway, I just it's a really moving book and incredibly beautifully written and I just found it really powerful it's such a great lesson in how you come to terms with things that have happened to you in your life that are beyond your control and manage to love people even when they've not always treated you in a way that's you know 100% what's it called again it's called tell me again oh right yeah. Tell, tell me again. Tell me. <laughs> exactly. Very good. Uh, I had this with my sister-in-law the other day. She's like, tell me again. I'm like, yes, tell me again. And then, yeah. But anyway, terrific book. But look, the other thing about my reading over the over the summer, this is annoying, is I read this fantastic book, but I read it in manuscript form Oh, because so the publisher sent it to me and said, do I've, you want to read this? And I've, I've got actually one of been, those too. <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've had a bit of a pile of them and I, so I've really gone like, no, I can't do any more. But then I read this and I was just like, oh, my God, I want to tell sales about it straight away. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I, I wonder if it's the same book it's coming out in march april no oh okay oh march april yeah oh okay okay this one is by a woman called nina one oh, okay it's, it's called the albatross it's coming out in i think april different, um different. and yeah it won a best unpublished manuscript award and it is going to be massive i think it's like really terrific book so yeah just keep tabs on that one i will good. of course alert everybody <laughs> when it's actually available good but look the other thing that happened this week that i think will make you pleased is yes. that i watched Everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, right! And great. the timing was really yes. random, right? Like yeah. it wasn't because the Golden Globes were coming up, right. but like we watched it. Me and my two elder kids and Jeremy watched it, and then like forty-eight hours later, they won all the Golden Globes. Yeah, so right. we were like, oh, suddenly for once in my life, I felt like up with the, you know, like oh, I just watched that movie. I know all about that movie. Okay, so did you like it? And what did you think it was I about? Absolutely loved it. Mm. I really loved it, and I had sort of feared seeing it a bit, really, because. The way you described it, like oh. you went like multiverse, I'm like, mm. yeah, like I can't even follow the Matrix, you know, like I'm just, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not good with, you know, jumping back and forwards and it sounded really hectic and sort of loud and flashy and I sort of was thinking, oh, God, I don't know how I'm going to cope with this. And my daughter, who's 16, had watched it and was like, Mum, you really need to watch this. And I found that I had no problem following it at all. Right. At all. Which is weird because normally, you know, remember that classic story where I watched that movie that had like Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> and Matt Damon in it and by the end of it I hadn't registered that they were different people? I think what it was. What was that, what was that movie called? The Departed. Oh, that's right, yeah. And I got I, to the end I'm like, but why did, you know, he do that? And Jeremy's just like, oh, my God, you know that's two different characters, right? I'm like, oh. I think at a certain point in Everything Everywhere, you kind of just let it flow over you and then you kind of, you know, you're not trying to piece together too many, you know, what does this mean kind of, you know, you're just kind of enjoying where it takes you. 
I just, yeah, it was so funny as well. Yeah. I mean, that scene where the husband <laughs> um, conducts, you know, takes out a whole squad of security officers using a bum bag. It's like, I mean, I don't normally revel in fight scenes, but it's just, God, and just, I think, in answer to your question about what it's about, I think it's about a mother-daughter relationship, essentially, oh, okay. right? I feel like it's that, yeah. and also it's about regret about life courses chosen or not chosen because there's this theme in there where she looks at her life and then she looks at how her life could be if she'd become a kung fu star or if she'd become whatever but then there's a reconciliation of that at the end um but I just the main reason that gave me joy and I mean you know Michelle Yao is just oh she was absolutely extraordinary and also Care Hoi Kwan who plays the husband did you know and I only found this out in the sort of um that he was Gold. a kid in Indiana Jones. Yeah. yeah. A, the kid in Indiana yeah. Jones, and then didn't act again. Like, yes. And so, oh no, he was, was so no, no, sorry, he was in something else. He was in Goonies. Goonies. Yeah. yeah. And then went into like stunt coordination and stuff. And then yeah. somehow it's just like come out of acting retirement to put he, in this extraordinary performance. Wonderful. Right. And such a kind of, um, I don't, I read an interview with Steven Spielberg where he just said, I remember him as a kid who was just such a warm, you know, he was a, like an attractive, magnetic kid. Yeah. I felt like he was that on screen. He's so... He was. And his facial affect and his physicality is this sort of incredibly attractive, sort of gentle, humorous... And that's kind of what his character is, even when he's being different, you know, multiverse It's, it's an amazing quality, isn't it? People yeah. that have that quality where you kind of just hooked towards them, you know. And you um, can sort of see what they're like just from looking at their faces. Like, yeah. It, yeah. Anyway, I mean. She, she's I, got that quality too, actually. I think yeah. they're both, both the leads. In that. And actually, what about Jamie Lee Curtis? And how- oh, well, I didn't even know. And so I'm sitting there watching them in the tax office and I'm thinking, why does this woman look? Um, <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. Why does this woman look familiar? And Jamie goes, is that Jane Fonda? And I'm like, no, 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 it's somebody else. somebody else. It's somebody else. But it's like that. Like, it's like, oh, my God, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. So we hadn't really researched it very much. But, you know, I, the main thing that made me happy about it was I just thought it is possible to make a thoroughly original film. That was what was so thrilling about it, wasn't yeah. it? That it just felt like um, it was really something truly original. And I just loved – I was watching a video with Jamie Lee Curtis the other day talking about ageing and how oh, she okay. just refuses yeah, yeah. to kind of, you know, hide what – yeah. and that, you know, we, we've got to just stop yeah. doing that and allow people to – Do you remember when she did like a magazine people? shoot just dressed in, like, boxer shorts yeah. and, a, like, sports yeah. bra? Like, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you watched that and liked it because I thought it was great. I'd really like to watch it again, actually. Somebody said to me that they think what what you see as the chief theme is kind of reflective of your own kind of oh, state where you are. So it's like black dress. Yeah, because you could. I, I can't remember what I said to you at the time that I thought it was about, but it could also you could also read it as a being about the relationship between a husband and a wife. Yes, as the central yeah. theme. So, yeah. Well, it definitely um, is that too. Um, it's all. It is all of it, which is why obviously. Yeah, it's, it's a bit magic eye. But yeah. I just loved how around every corner there was something like a little visual treat oh. or a little plot twist or just like a funny joke. I mean, oh. the, the, the visual humour was brilliant, like comic timing. And to pack all that into a film that's so busy and still make it entirely comprehensible, even to a person who tends to, to be a bit, you know, jumbled in the brain, um, was extraordinary. It was really interesting. I, I just, I really loved it. I loved oh, it good. a lot. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I felt like standing up and applauding afterwards. I got my kids to watch Oh Brother, Where Art Thou last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in fact, my son disappeared, but my daughter stuck it out. Because, you know, that's another thoroughly original film. And I think 
she's about at the age where she's getting interested in Coen Brothers sort of stuff, you know. And God, that's a great film. And I've never seen it. Oh, so it's it's based on Ulysses, right? Um, sorry, it's it's based on the Odyssey. And George Clooney's character is called Ulysses. So, and, oh, but right. it's set in the Deep South in the era of slavery, and it's him and um, John Turturro and that other funny-faced actor who's fabulous, whose name I can't remember. Sorry, mate, you're awesome. I love you. They're working on a chain gang. They've been in prison and they break out and they undertake this odyssey across the US to <laughs> to find George Clooney's wife who's about to marry another man. Oh, right. So it's like, you know, it's like the odyssey. He's going back home to try oh, and rescue see, his right. wife and, you know, win her back. And they go through all of these trials and tribulations. They meet the sirens, you know, who are these like hot chicks washing clothes in a river with beautiful – like it's like a musical too because there's, there's all of these songs in it that are fantastic. Like I remember I got the soundtrack after watching the film the first time around. But it's so – it's such an outrageous premise for a film, you know, for a big movie star to be in. It's like, right. well, this film is going to be like a creative retelling of the Odyssey, <laughs> but set in the Deep South. There's going to be some sort of Ku Klux Klan storylines. But, like, the villains are absolutely, like, tremendous. So there's this terrible man played by, um, oh, you know, the big guy was in Roseanne, um, Tom. Oh, yeah. No, um, uh, no. Oh, God, what's his name? I know what you mean. What's wrong with my brain? I was going to say Tom Arnold. No, 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 that's um, Roseanne's. Uh, oh yeah, husband. Um, oh and yeah, his name is, oh my he god. He played a general in Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of the greatest oh. actors of his generation. Oh okay, hang god, on. Actor Tom, <laughs> not Tom Hardy. It's not Tommy Lee Jones. Not Tom Selleck. Not Tom Burnson. Not Tom Berenger. Not Tom Hanks. Oh god. Is it even Tom? He's a really large man. Um, he's John Goodman. Thank you, John god, Goodman. Jesus. Oh. oh no, god. Oh god. Just look oh. at my phone and Lisa Marie Presley has died. Oh, oh god. Dear. Okay. Sorry. Um. Anyway, and um, also Tim Robbins plays the devil in a small but significant role. You know, Mr. Susan Sarandon? Yes. Um, and the other great character in it, God, it's just, oh, is, is Holly Hunter. So oh, right. when you turn oh, up amazing. towards the end of the film and they catch up with the wife, it's Holly Hunter oh. and she's spectacular. Anyway, it's like I don't think George Clooney has ever been more handsome than this film and he really gets into the kook of it. It's, I'm going to say something controversial. I've never found George Clooney very handsome. Come on. I mean... No, I just don't. Really? He kind of mm. just has a weird-shaped face. Weird-shaped face? <laughs> yeah. Chin. He's got the most regulation handsome face of anybody. He just... He does not do it for me. Wow. Yeah. What about Don Draper? You know, what's his face? Um, he, I used to think he was extremely handsome right. until I watched six seasons of Mad Men and then right. Don, like I've said to you before, it's like I had an actual Ooh. relationship with Don Draper where okay. by the end I looked at him and I couldn't even see that he was attractive anymore because he just had annoyed me so badly. Okay, that's yeah. funny. All right, we've got to race through. Okay, uh, one thing that I've started watching recently, even though it's not particularly new, is a show called Breeders. Oh, that, what's that about? It sounds So familiar. it's about this... Married couple with two kids who live in a like a little flat in is it London? I don't know, some English large city. And they are they're just sort of struggling with being married and living in a flat <laughs> with two kids. And it is it's the darkest, most hilarious I mean, it's sort of not for you if you're a extremely, you know, completely compulsive about quality parenting. <laughs> it's like, it's 
Like there's an episode where they go to the emergency once too often with their kid who keeps falling off things and then like the child services come around and they're forced to kind of like confront this, oh, my God, you think that I'm like... And they're constantly swearing around the kids and... Oh, classic. Yeah, it's just like... Is it British? Oh, God, It yeah. sounds British, and yeah. The, the dad is Martin Freeman. So it's... Oh, great. It's sort of worth... I mean, he is the most extraordinary actor, honestly. Like, I would watch him in just about anything. What about his, also... His ability to express an entire thought process <laughs> just using his eyebrows is amazing. And the wife in this is Daisy Haggard, who you'll see it and you'll go like, oh, I know that woman. Uh, so she was in... Oh, what was she in? She was in Back to Life, which is a series where she's released from prison and she goes back to live in her old seaside town and everyone's right. like, what did she do? Um, but she's got a really memorable, like, dramatic face. You'll definitely see her and think oh yeah I know you from stuff she's just, been lots of things just to make sure I'm not I that I am thinking of the right person Martin Freeman's the guy who was in the office yes, right correct, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah um what about um Dawn from the office being in better things that's the first time I'd seen her since the office she was one of Pamela Adlon's oh, friends oh that's where she's from <laughs> oh thank you because do you know what I was looking at her thinking are you baby spice <laughs> That's what yeah. I was thinking. Like she's got that kind of sweet round face yeah. kind of thing. And I'm like, yeah. I know no, you're was, from some it was dawn from the 90s thing, but you can't. You're not Baby Spice. You're something else. Yeah. Oh God, thank you. Yeah. I feel like a little tense muscle inside yeah. me somewhere is just relaxed. Thank you. I mean, we've already talked so much about better things. I'll yeah. just say it is. It is. Did you, you watch the end of yeah, it? I did. Yeah. It's just yeah. Awesome. Incredible. Uh, I started watching Black Snow, which is an Australian production. It's on Stan. It's like a it's like a real life crime thriller, but fictionalized. I'm only two eps in. It's very good. Um, I'm two eps into Colin from Accounts, but I'm going to save it for our next oh, pod because okay. a lot of people have been good. talking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. I think that's you know as you can see, I haven't exactly been absorbing culture through every pore. But um, but you need to go because you've got some cos lettuce to wash. <laughs> you know I do. That was in the last podcast, so that won't make any sense at all. <laughs> if you don't understand the cos lettuce reference, have a look at our last podcast where you it all will become clear. <laughs> Good to be back, love. All right. See you soon. See ya. <laughs>